Minnesota, Tampa Bay. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another insane episode of Paraprobe. My name is Jesse J, and I am joined here by nobody because Chance is in Key West doing Chance things with his Chance wife. Um, probably getting a beverage from our buddy Jay down there, one of the premier bartenders in Key West. Very happy for him, very excited for him. That leaves me all alone. So once again, the inmate is running the asylum here, and I gotta turn myself down because I'm way, way too loud. Red, 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 there we go. Alright, cool. But anyways, welcome back. This week has been insane. Absolutely crazy, just nothing but busy, 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 busy. First week of the month always is, especially in my day job. And then today was an absolute mess. Complete mess. Trying to uh, get all the crap I needed to get done at work. And then get stuff ready for the show and then spend a little time with the fam before I head out all that while trying to stay caffeinated anyways we're going to get on into it but first I'm going to hit my uh, question of the week here what was your COVID hobby hit us up on our uh, Twitter page be Paraprobe or Paraprobe Radio one or the other I don't know what chance to put it as I don't get on Twitter often we are Parapro Radio on um, Instagram. And what is going on with this microphone? This thing is all jacked up. Doom. Or I'm too loud. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, because it is getting into hurricane season, we just started hurricane season exactly five days ago, we're going to talk about uh, preparedness. And not just hurricane preparedness, but just preparedness in general. We're going to go over a little bit basic. I'm not going to dive too far into it uh just want to preface this by like this is not to spread fear this is not to uh really freak anybody out this is just basic preparedness you know kind of hedging your uh bets against anything that could happen not anything but a lot of things that could happen there's some things you really can't help but i mean it's kind of one of those things that goes hand in hand for us floridians because you know, when the hurricane comes, you everybody freaks out and they go get water and bread and all this other stuff. The shelves are empty because nobody has things put back beforehand. And people freak out because, hey, there's a hurricane coming and we might lose power. And then if the uh, power goes out, we don't have water. And, uh, yeah, that would be bad. So I'm just going to talk about some – a lot of things. I'm probably going to go into a rabbit hole. And it's probably going to be terrible, but it's going to be awesome because it's terrible. It's like a train wreck. You can't look away. You can't stop listening. Anyways, uh, the why, we kind of got into that a little bit. But what exactly is prepping? Prepping is the acquisition and application of skills and, re skills and resources to prevent and protect against adverse outcomes. That is the best way to define it, period. Like, flat out, period. 
you're acquiring like food, water, medical supplies, yada yada. You're learning how to use said medical supplies because, I mean, first responders, it takes them a while to get there anyway. You know, the average response time is like five or six minutes. You're the first responder. You're there. You got to do something. I mean, the other day I was at work. Some lady got hit by a car. She didn't get hit bad, but, like, I was there. I have a first aid kit that I carry in my everyday bag all the time and was able to, like, you know, make sure she wasn't dying or anything and called the cops and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's useful to have these type of things, which is, like, everyday carry. You hear people talk about that all the time, everyday carry. What is your everyday carry? There's YouTube videos galore about everyday carry, and most of the time people are talking about weapons and stuff. But everyday carry is more about more about what you may or may not need. You know, there's people that I know that I'm friends with that carry, like, a pocket knife all the time that is their like everyday carry thing you know everybody has that one thing like there's a song what was it was it adam sandler i don't know i'm not going to google it because then i'll shut up but um <laughs> uh your phone wallet keys you know that is like everybody's everyday carry for me um i have a bag that i carry like everything in i have a backup battery to charge my phone I have cords, I have a medical kit, I have other things that I'm not going to mention here. I have my water bottle, I have a bunch of junk in my backpack, it's getting heavy. And that is everyday carry, things that you may need just on a regular basis, you know, or may not need. I mean, you get into a car accident, let's say on the Skyway Bridge, you know, big bridge, not much around there. I mean, what are you going to do, you know, are you going to... Just sit there and bleed out if there's something through your leg, knocking your femoral, uh, hitting your femoral artery, or are you gonna try to like stop it? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, one of those things where rather have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. I mean, and that's why, that's why I firmly believe preparedness is like essential in everyday life, because I mean, for up until recent history, probably. I want to say just after World War II, we we were prepared. Everybody, America was prepared for anything. I mean, we grew food. We took care of ourselves. We were very self-sufficient. We didn't have grocery stores here, there, and everywhere to where we can just like, hey, I'm out of this, or Walgreens. Walgreens is my stuff, man. I have a Walgreens like two blocks away from my house, middle of the night. They're 24 hours. I'd be like, oh, crap. We're out of, like, for us, diapers. Like, crap, we need diapers. And so I'll go run and get diapers or ice cream. Like, me and my wife love ice cream, so like, <laughs> we're like, no, we're out of ice cream. Go to Walgreens now. Go, go, go. You know, I mean, they didn't have all that back, you know, in that time. It was only recent history where we had, you know, grocery stores and stuff to run and get. So people were forced to be prepared. But now, you know, prepping you think about it, you hear it, it's doomsday preppers. Oh my god, zombie apocalypse. You know, I'm going to need all this crap over here, bro. You know, just high tech, and it's all gear, 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 gear. And people have a tendency to focus on the gear side of things instead of, like, how do you use your gear? If you have all this gear and don't know how to use it, it's just junk. It's a paperweight. You know, like, 
buying a gun, you know, if you have if you have a gun and you have a gun in your house for quote unquote home defense and you don't know how to use it, then it's a paperweight. It's useless. It's more dangerous to you and everybody around you because you don't know how to use it. You know what I mean? I'm saying um, it just oh, it boggles my mind sometimes how uh, it's junk. It's complete junk if you don't know how to use the gear that you have. Now, what are we like preparing for? What do I think preparedness is for? I mean, for one, natural disasters, hurricanes. I mean, I live in Florida. Hurricanes are a thing. I mean, most of the time, everybody's got their crap together, so we throw a party. You know, the main thing that we need for a hurricane is beer or whiskey or something like that to just kind of ride it out. You know, I mean, we have water. We have jugs of water frozen in our freezer in our fridge that we can use to kind of keep that cold. We don't open anything, and we usually have, like, canned food if our power's out for a week or two but i mean there's other things too i mean the texas snowstorm this winter was so tragic because nobody was prepared for it i mean it is texas and nobody was prepared for it people died people froze the grid went down it was it was nasty and i mean it's just one of those things that just adds up i mean and now the recent thing my my mom is so into this it's not even funny i get text message on the regular about hey you know we got another solar discharge and i don't know too much about it i mean she sent me some information and i've uh haven't got around to reading all of it but solar discharges apparently mess with the grid and there is like the big one that they're waiting on just like the earthquakes over in california where it could like knock out the grid i think we had one right when we had like the telegraph and it like shocked people and like shut things down for a while so it was kind of uh it's kind of crazy so i mean natural disasters you know and then there's other people that prep for economic issues you know like uh another great depression economic decline currency devaluation things like that things that right now we're trying to like prevent with you know stimulus checks and borrowing and all this other stuff that the government is trying to do to try to keep us from going into like the 1920s great depression you know living in shacks and losing your houses another thing people prep for is food shortage and food shortage is there's a lot of things that can be ah carrington event i got a text from my mom the carrington event for the solar storm (laughs) Good coming in the clutch, Mom. But uh, what would cause a food shortage aside from 2020? We'll get into 2020 here in a little bit. But uh, food shortage can be caused by, like, massive droughts or massive floodings or, like, wildfires. Um, massive disease in the plants. I mean, Florida lost a lot of the orange groves because of a disease that goes through and spreads from tree to tree and took out a ton of our orange groves. Um, pestilence. I mean, like in Africa is where you hear about it the most, where they have a bunch of locusts, and they come through and just chomp down all the crops. I mean, when they get in a swarm, I watched a documentary on it. Mistake. Huge mistake. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. But uh, it just, it's insane how crazy the swarms can get of locusts. And until I saw the documentary, I did not have a very clear picture of it. Um, we've got a lot of flooding in the Midwest right now, breadbasket that a lot of farmers are, uh, kind of worried about that. And then like in another part of it, we have a drought going on where, cro- uh, crops are failing because there's no water. I got to take a drink. 
Ooh. All right. Yeah, I need some coffee. I am not used to talking this much solo. But, I mean, that those are things that can influence food shortage. And then, of course, you know, supply chain disruptions, which we've had over the past year and still have because things are still trying to get up and running. You know, when everybody shut everything down from the coronavirus, I mean, there was farmers that had to, um, what is it, euthanize their uh, livestock because they couldn't bring in the sale and they were getting too big. Apparently, if they get to a point, they get the meat gets uh, soured or they die or, you know, stuff like that. So they had to euthanize a lot of cows and get rid of a lot of meat on the cheap. So that didn't go into the supply line, and that causes other food shortages, which we're kind of hearing about off and on in the news nowadays. Ooh, another thing that uh, kind of causes all this that people prep for is civil and social unrest, which is also something we saw we saw a lot over the last year. It, I just can't believe how crazy 2020 was. Uh, civil and social unrest, you know, and I'm not talking about like protests and stuff like that, peaceful protests and all that. That is a good thing. That is part of our society. It's something we need to keep in there. It's just when things devolve into like burning up half the town and that's a lot of people are freaked out about that. People are scared. You know, we saw a lot of people doing things that I would definitely not condone because it. They were scared, you know, scared of people tearing up their town and stuff. You know, people were hurt. People were injured. Court cases are involved now, and people are in it's, – it's bad, you know. People freak out about that. You know, another thing people plan for, which this is few and far between, um, a lot of uh, – I want to – I don't want to say, like, extremists, but, like, people who uh, – let the research take over them instead of taking over the research are preparing for a civil war that they claim is going to happen because oh my god america is terrible it just that one kind of boggles me but i gotta mention it because there is a select group of those people out there and it's not something that uh i think is going to happen personally i don't i don't see it happening i don't see it going that far i don't I mean, a lot of the uh, unrest has kind of calmed down a little bit in most places. There's some places that are still gone absolutely crazy, but uh, most places, civil unrest has calmed down. There's a lot of policies being implemented to uh, help the things that. Uh, I don't. I'm trying not to get political. Like, ah, uh, oof. Moving on. Another thing people prep for is war. Which is essentially a game of resources. So, like, food shortage could lead to this. Um, a lot of people theorize, but uh, the most uh, often talked about people we would go to war with is like China and Russia. You hear those two names tossed around all the time. And then you have places like Iran, you know, who like to bomb people that we're allies with. Not getting political, not getting into it, but, uh, yeah, no, it just – it's one of those things where it's a possibility, especially with how stretched thin things are. People will prepare for that. And then another thing that I'm going to – it's going to be the last thing before I get into it hardcore, governmental restrictions. Like we saw during the coronavirus, when things were shut down, 
things. Uh, we didn't know how to react to this new virus that came out that was, you know, going to just kill everybody, or we thought. But now we have things in place to, like, prevent and, like, keep people safe from it, and they shut things down, you know. A lot of major things, like our supply line can't handle that long of a shutdown. That's why everybody was freaked out when, you know, businesses were being shut down because a lot of businesses went under when we got shut down. You know, it it sucks. It was potentially a necessary step. History will tell. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it. But uh, people prepare for that type of thing, too. Now, here's where I like to get into it because you – the first major thing that you want to do when you're prepping, thing you want to think about the most, the absolute most, are things you can't live without, food and water. Now, you need food. You need water. You can go longer without food than water, but you need both to survive. We'll get into shelter as well, but I'm just going to go down my little checklist here because I wrote pages upon pages upon pages of stuff. And just know your first step ever, like before you even think about like what you're going to buy, what you're going to get, what you're going to stock up on. And you don't have to stock up on much. You don't have to like be a hoarder or what was that? A food hoarder was one of the terms they used back in – uh the world wars, World War One, World War Two. You don't have to necessarily be a food hoarder, but it helps. <laughs> um, so you want to think about like how many people are in your family, and you need to think about other things. And it's something I'm going to get into later. Your group, your community, your uh, some people call them mags, which is a mutual assistance group. You know, a group of people that you're in constant contact with, that you can rely on, that you can go to for help, and they can help you. With certain aspects, like if you're not good at something and they are, you can utilize those people and they can utilize you in the respect that you can, you know, survive together. You know, think of Walking Dead. You know, they were always searching for good people to help them out or they'd find a community that had their crap together and they always wound up providing the security and, you know, kind of other people were usually providing food or something like that. So, like, you want to know how many people are in your family, your group, who are, who are you feeding? Who are you feeding? And then you want to, like, look at the caloric intake of everybody in the family. You know, average adult male, I think they said, uh, what, 3,300 calories per day you need for – and let me, let me correct that. A, at the average military male – under what was it ah, high high exertion whatever <laughs> you get what I mean high exertion they uh, need about 3,300 calories per day to function that's a lot of calories I mean not when you're looking at like McDonald's or something like that but when you're looking at something that you can store for long term or for short term or grow on your own like veggies and stuff that's a lot of calories to take in to feed, you know, just one person. And then kind of my rule of thumb when I think about it, and I'm not like a huge like food hoarder or anything. Just want to put that out there. I'm not like – I like to have three months of food stored up. That way if we fall on rough times, my wife works in the restaurant industry, so 
money ebbs and flows in our family, especially right now. I mean, right now it's kind of weird because we're kind of in season, but kind of not in season. And she'd probably slap me because we're probably out of season. I'm totally botching this, but uh, a lot of people are still moving around and still like vacationing, so she's still making good money. And it, we have a balance here. You know, we are definitely a two-income co- household that needs two incomes to survive. So I mean, we're reliant on each other. So when it ebbs and flows, we like to have stuff put away for the lean months when. Maybe we can't afford to go out and buy a ton of ice cream or a ton of, like, uh, pork loin is our biggest vice. We'll go get a Boston butt and we'll uh, smoke it for six, eight hours and munch down for about two, three days on that. But So we save for the lean months. We put it back. That's why we have a deep freezer, and that's why we uh, like to freeze, you know, big jugs of water to try to keep that preserved just in case we do lose power in, like, a hurricane or something. But, uh... So explaining that, like, I'm not BS crazy or anything. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm giving guidelines. I, I want to take a wide view of this but not dive in too deeply. So uh, caloric intake per person per day, 3,300. Um, tally up the number of people you have in your household and then add two. Because always, 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 especially, like, with us, you know, you're in a hurricane flood zone and – Your buddy's not, you know, or your mom's not, your dad, your grandparents, your uncle, whatever. They're in, like, a zone that is on high ground. You're in a flood zone, so you go over to their house to, like, kind of bug out and hang out and ride it out. So you want to add two people, you know. If you think you're going to have more or, you know, you're having your mutual assistance group or, you know, some members of your community, you're, like, you're good with food. And somebody else isn't, you know, plan for them plus two people. Now, water is a whole different scenario, especially in Florida. You know, most normal people in normal climates, you know, even in the summertime, about a gallon, gallon and a half per person. In Florida, I recommend a gallon and a half to three or two to three gallons per person per day for water. I mean, that is totally. If you step outside, there's a guy on TikTok. I love him to death. I can't even remember his name right now. But he does so many things about Florida. And one of them, he walked outside and immediately, sun hit him and he was wet. And that is exactly how it is. Everybody out here listening live definitely hears that, definitely knows it. You walk outside, you're wet. So, I mean, two, three gallons a day is nothing in Florida. So, definitely think about that when you're, like, doing food and water storage. As far as food, I I stick to, like, dry stores. I don't like to do a lot of canned food because canned food, like, if you get a dent in the can, um, there's a chemical I can't even remember off the top of my head right now. should have done more research. (laughs) That will get into the food and could potentially spoil it. And I usually give a lot of my canned food to, like, food drives and stuff. Um, I stick to, like, dry goods. Uh, My biggest vice is, like, rice and red beans. Um. I worked in Louisiana for years and years and years and years, and uh, I am a huge fan of red beans and rice, little boudin, little andouille in there. Whew, so good. Throw a little hot sauce on there, we're good to go. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's my biggest thing, um, and my wife's Cajun, too, so, like, <laughs> it works. It works. My son loves rice, so, like, it, it helps. Or, like, if you're, like, nursing a child or something and you need milk, Look for a shelf-stable alternative for, you know, formula, milk, 
they do sell shelf stable milk or you can if you're like me and kind of like to be a little more independent you can store your own stuff or like grow your own food um even there's people that micro farm and this is a huge thing that like i've gotten into for the past this was my corona hobby <laughs> my corona hobby was preparedness like i've already i've kind of grown up in it but uh I really got into it during Corona because I had nothing better to do. <laughs> so I started looking into micro farming, and there's people in California right now that you know are so close to the neighbors and stuff that they're growing enough food to make about eighty thousand dollars a year profit on a quarter acre of land. I, if you have a green thumb or don't have a green thumb or think about gardening. Definitely look up micro farming or my, yeah, micro farming on YouTube or like anywhere and permaculture because those two things go hand in hand and it is amazing what these people can do with a quarter acre of land. They can grow so much food. You can feed, you know, a good three person family off a quarter acre of land if you do it right. So if, even if you're in, you know, an urban area, you can still feed your family off a garden i mean in world war ii they had victory gardens and i think 40 percent of the food americans ate during world war ii came from victory gardens and it's so cool it's so awesome i have one thing i strongly advocate for because i think we should have that skill as humans i feel like we should know how to do at least 90 percent of the things humans can do i mean like drive a car drive a boat I don't know about flying plane. You do not want to put me in an aircraft. Anywhere near an aircraft, we'll all die. But uh, like uh, work power tools or work, you know, hand tools or work on your air conditioning, fix things, wi basic wiring, you know, work on your vehicle. You know, I feel like as humans, we should know how to do the things that humans do, and I feel like we've lost a little bit of that. So I'm a huge advocate for. You know, growing your own food. It, I mean, it's a small step, but it makes a huge difference. Um, another thing is fishing and hunting. Um, fishing. Fishing is huge down here, and we have some amazing fish. They just opened up reds, redfish season in Pinellas County, and I am stoked. I need to go get me some reds because they're amazing. But, I mean, we also have a massive wild boar population, wild hog population out here. That is an invasive species that... Uh, it is not frowned upon to uh, um, hunt them in mass. I mean, you have certain rules you have to abide by, but you, they want them eradicated because they tear up a lot of our farms, a lot of people's properties. They're a nuisance species, and they eat things, and they have no natural predator out here. So, I mean, you have pork running around out there. If you like pork, I know some people don't, but... There's pork running around out there that you can go, you know, spend a dollar per round on and uh, get some. But, I mean, that goes back to preservation. You have to learn how to preserve these things. Um, whew. <laughs> I am rambling. Mm, excuse me there. I had to get some coffee because I am under-caffeinated and my throat is getting dry. But you need to know how to preserve the food. It's not enough to get the food or grow your own food or fish and hunt you need to know how to preserve it you know and i'd like to go a little further than just you know throwing it in a ziploc or uh, a sealable bag and throwing it in the freezer i want i've been learning how to can 
and it's something I feel like I should have known a long time ago. I feel like it should be taught in schools almost <laughs> because uh, canning is so simple, like just straight um, boil canning. Now, pressure canning is a whole different piece that I haven't even got into yet. But uh, canning is super easy, especially like pickling. Making your own pickles is the most satisfying thing in the world because when you take a cucumber out of your garden and then you find, you know, some crazy recipe on there like bread and butter pickles is my favorite. That's what I go for. That's what I do. Um, I also do my peppers with that same recipe, and it's amazing, and they're hot. They're hot because they kind of – they cross-pollinate really easy. So my peppers cross-pollinate between scotch bonnets and uh, cayenne peppers, and uh, yeah, my life sucks right now. <laughs> but uh, you uh, – the pickling of a cucumber is probably the most satisfying thing. You let it sit there after you can it and pressurize it and all that, and you just let it sit for two weeks, and you have your own pickle that you made. is so satisfying. It's so rewarding. Even if you're not, like, into preparedness and prepping and stuff, it is one of the most satisfying things, for me anyways. Um, I can ramble about that all day long. It's awesome. Um, another way you can preserve things is like smoking, like smoked fish. We love our smoked fish spread down here. It is great. It tastes good. It adds a whole another layer of flavor. But um, Native Americans used to smoke things to preserve it for long periods of time, especially fish. Um, most of the time when you want to smoke something, you have to brine it, though, like uh, poultry, fish. Um, you can get away with not brining beef and pork. But it's kind of cool, too, because you add another depth of flavor to it. I should be, like, 300 pounds right now. I love food. I eat too much. But um, smoking is another huge way to preserve food, and that's the way it's been done in this land for God knows how long. Then another way to, uh, um, wow, preserve food. <laughs> Lost my mind. Preserved food is drying, drying it out. Um, a lot of people are getting into freeze-drying. I don't know anything about that. Um, I am not an expert by any means on a lot of this stuff. I am just kind of learning myself. But uh, drying your food, I like to dry beans. I grow red beans. I love red beans. They're amazing. But I grow red beans, and for me, beans serve a dual purpose. We can grow a lot of beans down here. Um, they grow in soil that is complete crap. They love sandy soil. They love our soil here. I don't know why. But uh, I, beans I can grow like nobody's business. Everything else we have a little problem with, but uh, especially uh, tomatoes. Tomatoes seem to be my nemesis this year. But beans are so easy to grow they're a nitrogen fixing plant they put nitrogen back into the ground which i mean a lot of areas are nitrogen depleted just from like grass and just plants being there and interruption of the natural cycle sometimes like building when they build a building it uh kind of messes up the soil a little bit so it helps repair the soil but not only that when you dry beans you not only have food for later but you have seeds, seeds for later. So you're seed saving and you're storing food at the same time. It's pretty clever, pretty awesome. So like little hints there, tips and hints for like food, food and water.
But I'm going to move on to shelter because food, water, shelter are three basic necessities. The bare necessities. It just, uh, that goes hand in hand with everything else. I mean, most, most everybody has a house. Unless you're homeless, then I kind of feel like a jerk right now. But, uh, if, if shelter is, you know, basic, necessary, but not just shelter. Shelter and this next one kind of go hand in hand. So I'm going to talk about them at the same time. Security. Because that's all shelter really is to me. It is security from the elements, from wild things like snakes, spiders, uh, wild pigs. I mean, just random stuff. I mean, that is the basic function of shelter. Otherwise, we'd be, you know, hanging out in hammocks all the time on the beach if we didn't need protection from the elements out there. So shelter, you want to make sure that your house is in good shape, your roof's in good shape, your windows are in good shape. Your doors are in good shape for hurricane season and just in general because a hurricane season, a lot of people lose roofs if the hurricane's really bad. If you lose a window, that is one way to blow the roof off because it's a pressure differential. So when the pressure outside is like higher than the pressure inside and a window blows out, pressure always goes from high to low. That's why you see like in the afternoon we have these showers that come across and go from – you know, the middle of the state off to, we're on the West Coast, so it comes offshore to us or, you know, moves through us and goes offshore because the pressure changes from being higher on the water to lower on the water. So all the storms just kind of build up and flow over. So if you ever, if you ever wondered why that was, that's why. Full of useless knowledge. But protection from the elements is something, it's essential. So, like, Get your roofs checked out. Um, if you need a new roof, I know a lot of people are hurting right now for money. Um, just do what you can, stack it back. And there's some roofing companies that offer financing if you need to look into that. And just make sure, like, your windows aren't – a lot of us have storm windows here. So, I mean, it's not that much of a worry. I mean, my house was built in the 50s and still had storm windows on it. So uh, definitely take a look at your windows. Most of the time people get double-pane windows. Um as far as like doing that but uh security make sure your locks work (laughs) make sure you have locks on your windows and stuff because i mean people get kind of crazy when things get a mess i mean we saw hurricane irma with people looting and going crazy because they were unprepared and you know you want to you want to protect your home now This is going to be kind of controversial, but defending your home. Now, you can can be on either side of the argument. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. You know, everybody has their choice, their right to choose whatever choices they want to make in their life. Everybody has the right to choose. Me personally, I have, you know, a firearm for home defense, and it – that kind of makes me feel comfortable. But once again, firearms without training, without learning how to use it and use it properly and use it in the capacity that you want to use it for, I'm a strong advocate for getting training. Get training whenever you purchase a firearm. That way you know how to properly use it and you don't wind up like that lady that was on like social media and shooting her kid when she was trying to shoot a dog. You know, that was the wrong time to be pulling out a gun and trying to shoot something. You know, the dog was out for a total of less than three seconds, and boom, you know, she pulled up. No. Guns are a last resort. So, like, 
keep that in mind when you're purchasing a firearm. You know, I'm a strong advocate for defending yourself. You have the right to defend yourself by whatever means you see fit. I'm 100% advocate for that. That is like the only political stance I will take on anything. I am pro 2A. That's it. You know, otherwise, do what you want to do. <laughs> I don't care. You know, make your choices. Live your life. Live your best life. But defending your home is something you definitely need to think about, especially when people are so on edge. I don't know if anybody else has noticed it, but a lot of people are on edge right now. Now, we're starting to get laid back. We're starting to get back to normal and stuff, but people are still kind of edgy about everything right now. I mean, especially driving on the road. Good Lord. So, I mean, think of ways to defend your house. You make your choices on that, but do it efficiently and get training. Training, 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 training is key. Um. Security and shelter moving forward off that, off my soapbox, off my uh, rooftop there. Bugging in and bugging out. This is one that drives me absolutely bat crap crazy. Everybody's like, oh, I got my bug out bag of super high tech with molly straps on there. And uh, I got my IFAC on there. And, you know, they're just, you know, all pumped about all the gear they have. But where are you bugging out to? You know, Bugging out is not a thing if you don't have a place to go. Then you're just homeless, and you're wandering and don't have a plan, and you're unprepared. You know, Florida, as far as hurricane, hurricanes go, we have our evacuations routes. Most everybody knows somebody or knows somebody that knows somebody that, you know, hey, we can go here. And we also have a ton of storm shelters here. Or some people go visit their people up in uh, New York or whatever. For the weekend while it goes through and blows over and then they come back and clean up and live their lives, you know. Definitely make sure you know your evac route, though, because that has been a problem in the past and we're Florida. We do what we do. But as far as bugging out for, like, SHTF, crap hitting the fan, I mean that you need to know where you're going. You don't have a destination. You're not really bugging out. If you don't know where you're coming. Now, if it's like zombie apocalypse, you know, if that actually did happen, I would be shocked. But zombie apocalypse, you're kind of screwed at that point. I get it. You know, go where you go. But you're not bugging out if you don't have a place to bug out to. Just saying. Now, most situations, you're going to be bugging in. You know, like uh, this past year was a perfect example. You know, there was a virus rampaging out. We all bugged in. Some of us forcibly, some of us not. You know, it was... The perfect moment to kind of study this in depth, and it's kind of why I'm glad I went down this rabbit hole, because I got to think about, you know, what we did when we bugged in. You know, what what was our thoughts with all this going on in the world? You know, we we did things a little differently. We all lived our lives a lot differently over the past year, and we all bugged in. And uh, it's just one of those things where it kind of makes you think. So, like, think about what you did over, you know, the past year during coronavirus, during the shutdown and everything before we opened back up. What did you do? Now, if you were working, you were, you know, out there in the world doing your thing, living your life like normal, you might want to think about bugging in if, like, we do get shut down again and, like, you wind up getting shut down as well, you know. And that is the most likely scenario. If something goes wrong, like, let's say just – I, I I don't even want to say this because it's so messed up. It's so weird, and I could be pegged as, like, an extremist for it, but I'm going there. 
because that's the best example I got right now. Let's say China invades. You know, martial law, martial, martial law is declared, and you're stuck in your house. Everybody's stuck at home except for soldiers and law enforcement, which thank you for your service. What are you going to do? You know, that's something you need to think about. Also, medical. I, I Like I said, you know, I have my first aid kit that I have in my backpack. It's very basic. I don't have, you know, I have some medical training from my time as a seaman. You know, it was a required thing. The Coast Guard requires people, especially when you're moving up to, like, captain and mate and stuff like that. They require you to get medical training because you're out on the ocean and you need a first responder. Well, at home, you're the first responder. And I'm sure all my parents out there definitely are feeling this right now. You are the first responder. Now, granted, with a toddler, you know, it's a mountain out of a molehill. A little scrape can be like, my leg's falling off. Oh, no. You know, what if someone's leg was really falling off? You know, do you have a tourniquet? Do you know how to use a tourniquet? Do you know how long a tourniquet can stay? A tourniquet can stay on. You know, you got to think about these things. You, it, it's you are the first responder. The average response time is about five or six minutes for you know first responders to get there. You can bleed out in two. Yeah, that was a purposeful dead air pause right there. You can bleed out in two minutes. That is something you definitely should think about in general and not just in a preparedness aspect. And it, it's it's proven useful over the past week for me. I can't believe that even happened. Like I I literally told my wife I was like I finally used that daggum first aid kit in my bag. You know I was like it's been there for months. You know I kind of built it from scratch because I was an accident prone kid. We had an annual stitch run, so like every year never failed, and it would always progress progress a month. It was like May, June, July, August. <laughs> like I would go to the hospital for stitches for something, usually something dumb, because like I was a boy and I was running around running amok. <laughs> but I mean that kind of taught me a lot and kind of like prepared me when I was like building that first aid kit, because like. I have uh, iodine in there, I have bandages, I have gauze, I have tape, I have scissors, I have all kinds of other crap in there that I don't necessarily need, but I got it because you may, and I know me, and I'm just a wreck. Now, two more things, and I'm going to shut up, which I'm doing pretty good on time. I'm shocked. This is what happens when you're prepared to do your preparedness radio show. It's awesome. One of the things like we take for granted every single day is communication. Now, in the proper community, they'll call it combo. I have no idea why. It sounds stupid. I will never call it that. I'll call it comms because, like, military family, and that's what they call it. But don't ever call it combo around me. I don't want to hear it. That's weird. But communication. You need to be able to communicate with, you know, your family. Make sure they're okay, you know. Hey, the storm blew over. Are you okay? Do you have power? Can I come over? Because I ain't got none. You know, it, it, the normal things that we take for granted, you know, texting back and forth. The power goes out or let's say, you know, solar flare cooks the freaking cell signal or whatever. You know, how are you going to communicate? Do you have a plan if there are no communications? You know, do you have a pre-planned pre meeting place after a period of time to meet up with, you know, your – Brother, sister, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, family member, mag, whatever, to, like, get together and find out, you know, hey, is everybody okay? And if so, 
you know, or if you're missing somebody, do you have a plan to go check on them so you can maintain that communication? We are very social species, <clears throat> and we need that human connection. You know, we need that communication, and I kind of feel like that's part of the reason people are, like, so, like, wigged out still because during the lockdown, a lot of people didn't have that communication, didn't have that human contact, and we need that as a species. Now, you're going to hear a lot, if you do any research at all, you're going to hear about ham radio. What the heck is that? So basically, it's a radio. It's a handheld amateur radio that you can broadcast on certain speak frequencies. Ooh, I can't speak. You can broadcast on certain frequencies, talk to people, or you can listen in on all frequencies if you program it right or if it's programmed right. I... I am not an expert on that. I I have a ham radio, and I have you know a couple buddies who have ham radios because we were thinking about this stuff, and we've kind of formed our own little mini mag, and we're we're just really good friends. But we wanted a way to communicate with each other just in case you know Hurricane Irma was a, a an example. We thought we were going to get hit with the big one here, and we got lucky. We got super lucky, and it just we thought about it and we're like. Oh, my God, you know, how were we going to talk to each other? You know, the walkie-talkie app on your phone doesn't work without cell signals, so what are we going to do? We started kind of looking up, and we all got the Baofeng UV5R, which is one of the most popular ham radios, and it is very affordable. I think it was like 20 bucks. Uh, Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's all over Amazon. But, you know, we we got a little ham radio. We experimented with it. We have... A frequency that we all know about that we're all going to talk on but if you're going to go broadcasting or like listening like there's certain frequencies that you can't broadcast on unless you have a radio license and there's like multiple levels and you got to pay to get them and take classes and yada yada but the thing that I found especially in an urban environment about ham radio is they're not really effective over a long range. It's more of a short-range solution. I think the max range that I've found on mine, and it's not that great, is like two miles. And that's with my buddy down the road because there's a lot of obstructions. You know, Most of our houses are block houses because we live in Florida and hurricanes. So, I mean, it's not going to go through concrete. It's like a boat radio. You know, It's a line-of-sight radio. So, I mean, if you're really serious about, you know, getting a ham radio and investing in that and investing your time in it, I would look into, like, a tower or maybe a portable tower or setting one up on your vehicle or something because, I mean, you, know, you can get those long, gaudy antennas <laughs> on your, you know, car, truck, or whatever, and you can ride around like a little remote control car, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it, it, it'll extend the range, you know, and if you're bugging out or being mobile or whatever it's something to look into so you can communicate with you know your friends your family whoever you're bugging out with you know if you're bugging in look for a more permanent solution like i was uh doing some landscape work for a family what two two three weeks ago and the first time i've ever seen it they had a ham radio tower in the yard and it was tied up to a tree well not tied up it was mounted in the ground with concrete and stuff but it was right next to a tree i didn't even see it at first i almost walked right into it and i was just like whoa you got a ham radio tower that's super cool they're like how do you know about that you know 
and rabbit holes. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things, you know, you need to ha- make sure you can communicate with your family. Make sure everybody's okay. You know, you care about these people. Make sure they're okay. Have a way to communicate and think about what would happen if you didn't have communications, you know. Like uh, my my mother and her uh, solar flares, you know, she she is so good at that, so smart about it, and she is so read into that that I don't understand it. But she mentioned something to me that I looked into, and it was a Faraday cage, a Faraday bag, Faraday cages. They have different applications for them, but a lot of people use them so their location's not tracked for whatever reason or, like, I don't know, some people are paranoid, but – uh. The best thing they're used for is an electromagnetic pulse, and it was – what it does is it protects electronic devices, vehicles, phones, whatever. There's different things for different applications of this, but it keeps it from being you know, surged out from an electromagnetic pulse or solar whatever goes on and it protects your devices, protects your, you know, your radio, your ham radio, your cell phone, whatever, and keeps them from being fried in that scenario. Now that brings me to my final thing, just in time. Power. Backup power. And I'm a huge advocate for this and I am a huge hypocrite on this too because uh, I'm just now looking into, uh, well, I've been looking into it for years but i'm just now pulling the trigger on an alternate power source you know a lot of people are going solar green energy which is cool just make sure like you don't wind up in the scenario where that fails you too you know have backups for your backups um redundancy is huge especially with power most of our life as i found like the perfect quote from this guy on the internet youtube his name is bear independent he is a great guy in the proper community because he knows the stuff in and out, backwards, forwards, the whole nine. And he said, most of our daily life is predicated on the flow of electrons. And that is the most eloquent way I've ever heard it put. Because, I mean, your heat, your AC, AC, your lights, your cooking, everything. Everything is electricity. Everything's electric. Half the cars now are electric. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, one is none, two is one. <laughs> Thanks. I'm getting texts from people. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where, like, you need a backup for it because most of our life runs out there. Most of us is, you know, a fan and some lighting for, you know, when the power goes out during a hurricane, down here in Florida anyway. I don't know where you're living, if you're li- listening online or on the podcast, but... Think about, you know, what kind of backup power you need. Do you need, like, a full-on, like, there's these people, they have these massive, like, 8 kilo or a couple, 3, 4 kilowatt um, backup generator that runs off diesel, you know, like hospitals and stuff? Or do you need something as small as, like, a small solar generator, which is basically a huge, not huge, but they're making a more compact. Thank you, lithium-ion. But they're this little compact battery that you can connect a solar panel to and it charges up and they're making them huge now. I think I saw one the other day with like 6,000 watt hours and I'm not even going to get into the uh, the calculations of watt hours but uh, think of it as like a one watt machine. You know, your machine uses one watt 
and you can run it for you know 3,000 hours if you're plugged into a 3,000 watt hour battery. So think of it like that. You know, a lot of people are kind of more familiar with this that have solar. Um, so many people are going solar now. It's awesome. Um, or like even just one of those little quiet backup generators that uh, you can get like a one or two thousand watt just to power your you know your freezer, your fridge, keep your food from spoiling. Uh, just look into that type of thing to kind of make sure that you know when the lights go off, you still have lights. You know, I mean, from the dawn of time, we've used light, mostly in the form of fire, to try to, like, protect ourselves and give us comfort. And light is comfort for us. You know, that's why we have street lights on the streets. That's why a lot of college campuses are well lit, because light is comfort. You know, we don't think of a dark area being super comfortable unless you're going to sleep. Then, you know, that's a whole different scenario. But, uh... Yeah, light is comfort, and fans in Florida, when the power's off, is great, <laughs> you know, unless you have a massive solar ray or a massive um, backup generator where you can do, you know, air conditioning, which I'm very jealous of, and I don't have the money for. But uh, there's other people that use this when they're going off-grid, like overlanders. Overlanders are awesome to, like, check out what's good and what's not if you're looking for, like, a... A very safe alternative to, uh, like, having power on the go, like when you're camping, um, overlanding. Look up anything overlanding or an overlander talking about, you know, a solar generator, and you'll literally find the best one every time because they know their crap. They use it on a regular basis, and they are phenomenal at picking out any of the flaws, pros, cons, a whole nine. Um that's how I found the uh, little backup solar generator that I'm going to be getting. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, other people are like off-grid, off-grid, like homesteading off-grid, which is super cool, something that I'm interested in because I, I like the idea that I am taking responsibility for my own stuff. You know, I'm – Providing my own food, providing my own shelter, providing my own water, providing my own electricity is like back to basics for me. And it's something that a lot of um, um, people who are – what are they? Climatologists and stuff are like advocating for because that's something that we can live in harmony with nature with. And there's a lot of people that are going you know solar wind there's people who are doing hydroelectric power at their house you know they live on rivers and stuff so it's super easy for them but that is the coolest thing ever there was a what was it homestead oh, there was a show on discovery channel that i love and uh they're homesteaders and they help people build their homesteads so if you want any hints about any of this go see those people because homesteaders are the ultimate preppers they know their stuff they live on their own with their own crap by their own ability and it's a lifestyle form and that's basically what preparedness is you know it's your everyday carry your lifestyle are you being aware of your surroundings are you aware of the world around you are you aware of things that are going to affect you potentially now or in the long run you know and it is a lifestyle choice it doesn't make you a weirdo to be prepared just ask anybody down here in florida who hasn't gone on a beer run yet, you know, we should have been prepared. So, I mean, it's definitely a huge change, a huge shock to your system at first, 
but you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of crap when you're first starting out. You can just, you know, spend five or ten extra dollars, you know, per grocery trip and stack that back or, you know, put back five or ten dollars over a little bit of time and you'll be able to afford, you know, a ham radio, a backup generator, you know, um, I don't know, medical kits, you know, training to use that medical kit because, I mean, think about it right now. Can If someone dropped dead next to you, could you try to revive them? Could you do CPR? Could you do it properly without, like, killing them? Because if you do it wrong, you're going to hurt somebody. So definitely get the training you need when you're purchasing this stuff and just try to live a prepared life. I know this is kind of, like, totally – weird i don't know i don't know i feel i feel i feel good i feel good i didn't screw this show up (laughs) uh chance has not called so i can't be messing up that too bad and uh hopefully y'all enjoyed this um definitely check us out on our social media um hancock is uh hancock underscore vota on instagram i have no idea what he is on uh (laughs) twitter uh, he is Chance Hancock on Facebook, and you can always find us by looking up Paraprobe, looking for our crazy logo, the doctor with the uh, the stethoscope, the skull doctor with the stethoscope around their neck. And uh, yeah, check us out on the podcasting platforms of your choice if you want to listen to any of our past shows. And with that, I think I'm going to call it a night, and I will catch y'all on the next one. Um, have no idea what we're talking about next week, but Chance will be here, and I'm sure we'll do some brainstorming in the meantime and uh, throw some promos. But I will see y'all later. Bye. Why you should not be
breaking news this hour from townhall.com.